Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. Presenting the very best panels, seminars, and other discussions concerning game design and publishing. This has been made possible by Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia. Now to the show. Episode 61. Coming up in the Indies, from newcomer to company owner. Recorded at Metatopia 2014. Presented by Fred Hicks, Shoshana Kessek, and Tim Rodriguez. Uh, <laughs> exactly right. Um, I'm Shoshana Kassak. I'm the co-founder of Phoenix Outlaw Productions. Uh, we're a relatively new company. We've been around about two years officially. Before that, in various incarnations for several years, until I learned how to actually be a businesswoman, and then we became an LLC and things are official. So for so, your several years prior to that, you you guys been been running and developing LARPs and stuff like that, but yeah, sort of hobbyishly. Yeah, it was, a, it was a hobby name. Actually, the name came up uh, when I was like in college. I just started using it as my like... You know, online name. I was running MUDs, actually, and stuff online, uh, Harry Potter games and stuff under that name since I was 16. Evil Hat Productions was the uh, the label under which we ran LARPs originally, yeah. too. So, um, basically, uh, first start running LARPs under just some sort of random name, and eventually we'll find out you're a publisher. <laughs> no. I, I picked Brooklyn Indie Games very purposefully. Anymore. I have much more embarrassing names that I used <laughs> previously. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how we started. Right. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, it spells big. It spells big because yeah. I'm six one and huge. Yeah, sure. Well, mine spells pop. Sure. Uh, I guess mine is spelled ep. <laughs> uh, but uh, big pop ep. I'm not entirely sure what sort of questions or, or, or parts of this uh, life cycle, I, I guess, where uh, you guys are interested in. But I think we should each sort of talk about where we came from, where we're at, sure, uh, sure. in a little more detail, and uh, then see what the questions about that are. Okay. So. Awesome. Does that sound like a good template? Yeah. Yeah. You can tell we pre-talk this a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, why, don't why don't we start, start with you? Ah, uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, I'm the newcomer on the block, so yeah. That's right. um, <laughs> so where did I where I start? Um, I wanted to do tabletop uh, RPGs and LARPs for a while. Didn't quite know how to do it. Um, uh, got into this doing uh, running LARPs as a hobby, as we were saying before, um, and eventually realized that this is sort of what I wanted to do as you know for a living. I uh, found a team of people that I like working with, specifically my business partner, Josh, uh, who's upstairs running demos for our games right now. He's badass. He's amazing. And uh, basically the idea came down that, like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. Um, so I started going to Gen Con about five, six years ago now, uh, where the first time that I actually went to a business panel, uh, Fred was running it, actually, with a couple of other people. And they sat down and they're like, here, take out a notebook, write down everything we say, and uh, follow some of it and see what happens. Yeah. And I... Uh, at that it's, point, it's not gospel, but it's your starting point. Yeah, right. and I, I took it to heart that like, you know, here are the people who are beating the path ahead of me. Well, I need to, I need to listen to that and and, and really take it to heart. Um, by the grace of everything, uh, I've managed to, uh, you know, write my own games as well as you know. I also went and freelanced for a lot of companies, um, which basically allowed me to be on the inside of a lot of places. Uh, at least as a freelancer, and see the ins and outs and ask questions, uh, specifically for Fred a lot as well. Um, and uh, I've been lucky enough to learn from him, and at that point we um, uh, formed the LLC, and now we did our first Kickstarter recently, which uh, funded successfully, and the book should be out, please God, by February. Um, and so, yeah, 
Uh, and now we have uh, five other books lined up. Mm-hmm. So like our, you know, right? Uh, we just set up our process and now it seems things are working out uh, pretty well. Yep. I also took um, business classes, read books, read blogs, did all these things. Uh, I was not a, a, a business person beforehand. I'm a, a writer and a filmmaker by trade. Um, and now here I am. So that's me. I'm a kind of nerd who wants to do everything, <laughs> yeah. like wants to have done and to do everything. Um, so I I started designing games because I was a technician and was really bored. And I had a lot of plane time and hotel time that I had nothing to do. So I started designing games because I like playing games. And uh, I started doing a podcast while I was doing that, talking about creativity. And that was fun. And I met a lot of people doing that podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I actually had a game ready, I'm like, I could just make this game. A lot of people... You've uh, interviewed a number of people who told you how it's done. So. Yeah. I, I, I met a lot of people who sort of knew knew how that worked. And um, so, yeah, uh, I started in 20XX, according to my business cards. I see. Because I'm a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically decided um, that since, like, one of the things I do is computers, like, I would do kind of... Uh, publishing and professional services. And so I've done little bits of both of those things under uh, the name Brooklyn Indie Games. I went out and filed for my DVA at uh, County Courthouse. Super, super cheap, super yeah. easy. Um, and uh, and was off to the races. Yeah. Um, so I've published two, uh, three, three significant products. Um, a board game, a role-playing game setting, and an app. So I'm Totally off in all different there places. You go. Yeah, yeah, like I'm, and now I'm publishing another accessory. And that, that board uh, game is uh, Ghost Pirates. That board right? game is Ghost Pirates. The setting is called Omega Zone, full of uh, post-apocalyptic silliness. Fred accelerated, huh? Yeah, for Fred accelerated. Uh, Fred accelerated. Fred accelerated. <laughs> <laughs> that's like all the time, though. Yeah, that's, 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 right. that's, and uh, that's the app is called Fiasco Mobile, in which stores all your playsets in one convenient place. Um, yeah, I listened to a lot of people and made a lot of mistakes. Uh, it's better to mistakes listen to a lot of people uh, and to not make their mistakes, right? Which is, you know, you'll make your own mistakes. Make don't don't make yeah. don't make the old mistakes. Yes. Experience is composed of mistakes. Oh, and the game that we made actually is called Smoking Glass, by the way, and it's also uh, fake core. So we you know, use fake from fake. Yeah, it uses fake core. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fake nerds. Hi. Um, uh, uh, so yes, I run uh, Evil Hat Productions. Evil Hat Productions was, as I was mentioning earlier, a uh, label under which we ran some gaming events at Ambercon Northwest while I was living in uh, California for a few years in the early 2000s. Um, uh, name came about because my friend came onto an online chat room and s- said, "Lydia purchased on Fred's head like an evil hat," and I'm like, "That's a good name." <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know. I'll, Deeper in my murky history, I um, uh, uh, knew Jim Butcher when, and uh, uh, one day, uh, and uh, as part of the things that we were doing under the Evil Hot label, we put out uh, a very early version of uh, Fate. This is a free downloadable and so forth, and it got uh, some recognition in the Indie RPG Awards that had just started up in that general vicinity of time. Um, Andy Kikowski said some great things about it, and it kind of got us the... Uh, weird award-winning tag um, uh, and uh, uh, through Jim's geek uh, agent and some some other friend connections and so forth uh, Jim was reminded when he when it came time to think about 
licensing out the uh, Dresden Files role-playing game rights uh, that he knew some award-winning <laughs> game designer friends uh, who he could probably trust a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, comfortably than, uh, you know, random corporation uh, uh, to uh, license and do right by his baby. Um, so I got a phone call that left my jaw on the floor where he more or less offered the, 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 the rights to us. And we didn't like, actually like exist as a, as a company. We didn't have a DBA because we had no commercial intents. Um, and that call more or less started the process of us saying, okay, we're going to try to become a commercial publisher now. And holy crap, we are not the equal of you know, what, we are start, what our impetus for starting the company is yet. So uh, let's first work on some side projects uh, to get us on the way to Dresden Files role playing, which I'm sure we'll get done in like just two years. <laughs> uh, by the way, it got published five years later. Um, uh, so, uh, uh, and that, and those side projects were "Don't Rest Your Head" and uh, "Spirit of the Century," our first releases in 2006. Um, and that's when I was kind of in the stages that you guys, or not, not you so much, you, you're a little further along, but w- where you guys are at. Um, uh, and uh, strangely, with some Dresden affiliation as well, um, uh, and uh, 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 you know, just incrementally made you know made our mistakes, learned our lessons, and so forth uh, over time. Uh, when we finally, in 2010, uh, my story started in 2005, 2006, just when we went uh, uh, and turned into a company, um, uh, that uh, hit and brought in a, enough revenue for us to start saying, okay. What else are we going to be? For right now, we've just been the company that exists to make the Dresden Files role-playing game. And oh yeah, by the way, a couple other ones. Um, uh, uh, now that we have this kind of pile of revenue, where do we go with that? Are we still going to be a role-playing game company? Are we just going to focus on uh, Fate? Are we just going to do like Dresden Files support? Uh, or are we going to try to start expanding to become uh, like a game company, not just a role-playing game company? Um, and that latter one is sort of the direction we started to point in, although it's taken a few years for us to start to get to that part because um, every other subsection of gaming is its own strange animal and you have to learn how to make friends with it and not have it bite you too much. Um, it's, <laughs> uh, uh, which in some ways kind of fits into your ethos of I'd like to do a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. Like early on with uh, Don't Rest Your Head, that's a game that I personally wrote. Uh, it, our, our first release was effectively a self-published game because uh, almost entirely done just by me. Um, uh, Spirit of the Century was more of a collaboration and was uh, a way for us to get Fate out there with a you know, pulp skin on it um, uh, but uh, was still very, very much of an, of an indie thing and we, we were still uh, I, I think solidly an, an indie company that happened to have this big license that everyone knew about uh, on the horizon for those first five years um, but it was, the, it was the release of that that really kind of shifted the gears for us and then we've uh, more recently experienced the gear shift again about you know, five, five more years later um, uh, with the uh, Fate Core Kickstarter. Um, I think that was three-ish, whatever. Uh, 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 because that uh, suddenly gave us you know, a giant, very public success and something that turned originally from the intent to release a, uh, uh, you know, a core book and maybe eventually some supplements to, oh, we've just kickstarted an entire product line that we're going to release in one year, um, <laughs> some of which still needs to be done. Um, and uh, uh, with that, we, had, we started to be able to do things, um, uh, this magical process called delegation, 
Um, and it's the, it's a that process whereby so yeah, how does that work? It's I delicious. Don't know. Wow. It's, a, it's a process whereby I uh, give up my white knuckled grip of control on every part of the company and let other people do some of those parts for me. Um, it makes me sound queasy. <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it, it is a rough emotional process for a control freak, um, and uh, very likely if you're starting out as like a indie publisher where you're doing most of the stuff yourself, that letting go is hard. But holy shit, the results are magical. Um, that that is the time when I well, I'd already brought in um, Chris Anderhan, who's a uh, retailer but has some experience in you know the game production side of uh, the industry as well. Um, and some marketing experience and so forth. So and I needed him to kind of help me figure out, well, how do I point the company in this wider direction that I want to go in? Um, and he was, we were talking through some projects and getting the ramp up for Fake Core going during that time. But then when Fake Core hit, we realized we had a huge pile of work that we need to get going on now. And that's when we brought in uh, Sean Nittner to be our project manager. And basically most of what we've been able to do in the last two to three years has been because... Am I... Am I Two years um, uh, uh, is be- been because he's come on board um, and has taken over the keeping track of everything that's in the air and making it actually get to the finish line part. Because with me doing all the other things that I hadn't yet delegated, um, uh, I was having no time for that and wasn't particularly good at it anyway. Um, uh, at no point in this did I take business classes, although that that, that might have been a good idea if I, I felt like I never had I took time like for it. One at NYU, which was all about like. Uh, game development and media development and and, and mm. business yeah. and uh, unfortunately a lot of it was aimed towards digital design yeah. which is what you're going to get but it, it gave me a lot of good ideas about like don't forget to like get an accountant yeah. all your receipts all, yeah. all the things I didn't knew nothing about but I'm mostly self-taught and I try to bring very little ego into my ideas of what needs to be done I then go talk to people who are smarter than me on that particular topic of what needs to be done and they tell me if it's a good idea or not um, you know lather rinse repeat um, uh uh, and we also brought in uh, Carrie Harris to do our marketing, um, uh, and uh, my partner Rob Donnie, who uh, you know he's always kind of been day job, other life, and very creative, had not so much on the business side of things. So that, that's why it's kind of been me as the business runner and uh, him as our. Uh, I hate brain, what this brain, says. It brain says, in residence. I refer to him as a brain in the jar. <laughs> this is why he's the walking mind. This is his blog. Um, He's also occasionally referred to himself as uh, the Waz, and I say that because I don't want to make it sound like I think I'm Steve Jobs. I don't think that, but uh, 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 Waz, uh, uh, Steve Wozniak, yeah. yes, yeah. Wozniak, um, uh, 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 the other co-founder of Apple. Um, it, it's kind of a good description of what uh, Rob is to the company in that he kind of safeguards our soul. Um, he, he's he's looking around to kind of make sure we are creatively healthy, while I'm focused on more and more less less and less the. Uh, creative side of things, and more and more the you know turning the creative product into products and and you know, interestingly packaged stuff. I still do uh, layout and art direction stuff occasionally, although I am starting to delegate the art direction, which is probably the thing I've had the tightest grip on. Um, but I just don't have time for the for the spin up part of it anymore. Um, this was a really long thing, but you know, right. since I've oh, yeah, got the whole life cycle, yeah. I, I figured I'd just run through it all now. Uh, interestingly, I've. It sounds like I've got the most sort of business background. Mm-hmm. In 2007, I spent a year doing management consulting mm-hmm. um, and read my way through most of the uh, personal MBA reading list. Um, 
had been considering business school at one point before yeah. I decided grad school was not something I wanted to do because that means one thing, and I am not like that. Yeah. It would drive me nuts. I mean, I think a lot of the business stuff that I that I picked up along the way has been partly because Rob Donahue is a, a, a very talented reader, if that makes any sense. He, mm-hmm. He's good at, like, digesting large amounts of stuff out there and giving me, like, the five-minute distillation that I need to have the lessons of the book without the book. Um, uh, so... Uh, you know, a lot of the uh, sort of uh, marketing-esque concepts that I've picked up over the years have been through him, like reading some Seth Godin stuff and a few other things. And you know, I occasionally read a little bit of that. But I, you know, honestly, even though I've published a lot of books, I'm a kind of a crappy reader um, uh, just because of the way that my attention span uh, uh, works for a lot of things and the amount of projects that I like to have going simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, where you and I have that in common, actually. Yeah. But we have a very similar relationship, uh, me and my partner Josh Harrison, mm-hmm. to what I think in a lot of ways that you and Rob have, yeah. which is uh, Josh sort of is this, also the soul. And he is, he is uh, he's, uh, a marketing uh, person during the day and a PR manager uh, for blogs and, and businesses so that he brought this notion of like how to present products to the to the public and how to uh, and how to align that stuff um so which i knew nothing about very much i learned from like how to network and how to do all the other stuff but i had no concept so josh does that and also keeps me from imploding from doing all the other stuff that you're doing so he is the soul on that side of of keeping things together and i think the reason i'm adding that is just because to me that was so important because originally uh, i had tried to start my business with a number of people uh, who were friends of mine, uh, who we basically started to get together, and it uh, it didn't work, like because we were not business minded and we were not we did not bring the proper uh, tools to the table. I think uh, at the time, um, and, and some relationships just don't actually work well in a business context, and you'll discover that sometimes. And yeah. there's nothing bad about that. Just try to be honest about it, and you know, change your situation as soon as you can. Yeah, yeah. and but okay. when we got together, it was the, the idea that Josh and I both were heading in the same direction. We wanted the same things out of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted this. We wanted the company to stand for the same things, which is which was very important for us. Like we, I sat remember down. your before and after on that transition. So yeah, 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 it was before we were like we just want to make games and have a good time, and then finally we sat down and we're like, the thing that really excited us about making games was the idea that. Uh, there's a lot of people's stories that are out there that, that don't get represented in games very often. So we wanted to create a company that was um, uh, dedicated to diversity in games and creating games from different voices. And uh, and the minute we had that, we, we knew where we were going. We had, yeah. our, had our direction. So, right. yeah, and that's when we were really starting out. So, uh, so I'm, I'd like to get into, like, whatever specific topics you guys are interested in this life cycle here. Um, one of the things that has already come up and things we've talked about is, uh, you know, you formed the LLC, you formed the, the DBA. You just did the DBA. Yeah, DBA. A DBA is a very cheap way to uh, get stuff, but it literally is legally Me. Uh, the same as you. It's, right? so it's if, exactly if the same. So if somebody decided they needed to sue Brooklyn Indie Games, it goes that's, right That is just straight uh, There is no separation of ownership of assets or anything like that. Um, the, the reason you might form an LLC is if you want to have some sort of insulation uh, uh, and 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 separation between uh, uh, not just uh, economically, but uh, uh, in terms of <laughs> uh, liability yeah. um, uh, between uh, the company and the individual. You don't want to lose your house to get in a position to be to be sued. And since for uh, for uh, Evil Hat in particular, uh, going with an LLC right out the gate made sense to us because we were stepping into a license. Yeah, that was absolutely. you know <laughs> of uh, what I think even then was. On its way to being like consistently number one New York Times bestseller, mm-hmm. um, yeah. it might not have quite been there yet in two thousand five. Right, um, but he was close. And then after we got the license, then the James Marshall started doing the audiobooks. Then the sci-fi series started, and then the sci-fi series got canceled. But all all throughout of those, I also run uh, Jim's uh, um, 
online website. So I got to see how that messed with his traffic pattern and how each one of those was leveling up. So that, of course, created this increasing sense of pressure about the project. But, you know, that's water under the bridge at this point. Uh, but because we knew that that was uh, going to have potentially that level of visibility, uh, it just made a ton of sense for us to to isolate ourselves from that, at least legally. Yeah. Even though we uh, formed it in such a way that as far as the economics of it go, as far as the accounting of it goes, um, uh, uh, it's really still treated as any, any net income we have at the end of the tax year is treated as uh, uh, personal income for the company founders. So uh, Rob and I split up uh, the, the, the profits essentially at the end of the year, not for ourselves. We don't, we don't deposit them, but it's treated as our income added to our personal uh, income taxes with a lot of my wife cursing. Um, and, uh, 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 and then the company reimburses us for um, whatever that changed from what our family taxes would have looked like without it and with it added in. Um, uh, you, can, you, can do, you can form an LLC in such a way that uh, the accounting exists completely separately, but that starts to have some um, obligations and, yeah. and regular accounting mm-hmm. expenses that um, uh, might not be a good idea for you, probably not a good idea for you at the starting up. Uh, uh, end of things. Yeah, we did that, and that was a problem. <laughs> we did that in this year. Uh, me and my account—I wanted to kill my accountant very shortly thereafter. Oh, yeah. So that was our error. I mean, like we're we're going to see what we can do about changing it up in the future. Yeah, you might be able to drop back to a partnership for a while, and oh, then yeah, because it was it, it messed with our taxes so hard this year, and our personal taxes, and just my general state of sanity. So yeah. it was, mm-hmm. it's very complicated. By the way, get an accountant. Like, yep. can I just toss that out there? Just don't try to handle it yourself. You're going to no. mess it up. Um, but track your. Uh, Expenses in something like QuickBooks, uh, just now because most accounts that you go to are going to tell you get QuickBooks, um, yeah. and uh, uh, your your accounting at the end of the year is going to be largely as simple as uh, you know giving them uh, the data you have on your, the inventory you currently hold, the cost that that was, and uh, um, and, and your and, and, and your uh, QuickBooks file, which they'll just then just take from you, say what version is of it, and they'll do all their thing and. Send it back to you and with your tax forms completed in a bill. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> you don't want something more complicated than that yeah, uh, because true. it will eat so much of your time. Um, and especially as you're in the newcomer to early startup phase, um, your time is completely precious Absolutely. because you're carrying, you're, you're juggling so many of the roles of the company and all. That's true. Um, I'm uh, kind of an anomaly. I do my own taxes. I've also been doing my taxes since I turned 18. Right, like, so you, I, you've got I, a lot of practice. I took that, that over, yeah. like, and I've been doing, like, private professional services things. So, like, I've been filing a Schedule C form for a long time. Right. Um, so I've gotten pretty good at navigating a lot of those situations. Um, if you are not interested in doing that and reading about tax law, you should not do that. And let somebody who knows about tax law do that for you. I appreciate that you label yourself as an anomaly there because I do. Yeah, I, I, I am absolutely it's, it's, an anomaly. If you've got the temperament for it, great. Yeah. More power to you. It's, um, it's, most it's people, technically not that hard. Most people don't have it. But it's a total time sink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It absolutely is. Like, yeah. you're absolutely right. Like, your time is precious. I think it's really interesting, and I'm like, oh, something new to learn. <laughs> As it turns out, money can be exchanged for goods and services, um, there. So, uh, 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 and, which is another way of saying uh, time is money. How about that? So, uh, yeah, uh, invert that a little bit and use your money to buy yourself some time 
by hiring people to do those sorts of things. Totally. And a lawyer, if you can, sometimes yeah. for yeah. Cons- consultation um, at least. Now that said, uh, uh, Justin Jacobson is here at the con. Um, yeah. In fact, I think he's doing a panel right over there. And right Eric, Mer- Eric Mersman um, as well. And uh, Eric Mersman, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, Justin is uh, generally uh, uh, willing to do um, some amount of uh, lawyering, lawyering and consultation for people in the game industry on, um, I'm going to date myself, but if you're from the 80s at all, um, uh, on the Stingray plan. Which is to say, at some point he will come back to you and ask for a favor. <laughs> um, and if you ever saw that television show like I did, you know what we're talking about. Um, uh, so, some, some, something I've found actually very useful in uh, recent history is I have a local law school, and uh, a local law school has local law students who need experience in reviewing contracts, uh, for example, mm-hmm. uh, and these will be overseen by their advisor. But hey, free legal yeah. advice. If you're specifically looking not at like contract generation, but contact evaluate contract evaluation uh, 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 stuff, you definitely don't mess, just need a, a lawyer per se. You, you you can't find a law student. There are also people. I'm thinking of like Brian Isakoff. I don't know if you know him, um, no. uh, who review contracts for a living, but aren't lawyers. Um, because uh, you can review like provision contract. contracts and stuff like that. They they just know what what things to look for. They know how to examine the language and and yeah. so forth. They don't necessarily know all the case law around it. But that, that's not necessarily needed uh, for a contract evaluation. So if you're if you feel like you're in that sort of situation, there are options outside of a lawyer. But seriously, uh, the, meet meet Justin. He's cool. Yeah, Justin's um, cool. And uh, uh, he is a he's a gamer. He runs uh, Blue Devil Games, and uh, 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 you know he's in the process of working on a. Um, <clears throat> Uh, fate core based uh, game as well. Nerd. So, <laughs> nerd. We should ask for questions. questions yes. Yeah. Any questions? What more would you like to know? Where are you at in your process? Are you aspirational? Are you in the Shoshana end of things? Where, <laughs> the Tim yeah, end of things? That's the Shoshana end of things. Go ahead. Okay, so um, right now I'm primarily just a freelancer for um, games. I am working on my own stuff, but I don't know that I want to self-publish that. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's fair. It's a total pain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There are a lot of pieces have, you have to learn. Right. And I have a day job and yep. other things. So, um, what's the, like, who, who should people talk to if they so, want to do? Can I, can to I, avoid self-publishing. Oh, can I tackle this one for a second? Yeah, please. So when I originally uh, started out wanting to do this, I didn't want to. I, I didn't know that you couldn't self-publish. Like I didn't know that I would go to other. <laughs> like I didn't know that I could just walk up to a company and be like, you know, or, or do something to get somebody else to do my game. So immediately I was like, well, damn, I just gotta create a company because I want to make my game. So I guess that's how my brain works. If there's not a path, I'm going to make it. Right. Um, and so, uh, yeah, and so. So a couple of uh, years later, while I was working on this, uh, Fred actually sat me down for a conversation. Is like, you know, this is the time when you have to decide whether or not you want to be a publisher or a writer. Do you remember that conversation? Yeah, yeah. 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 And you're like, you have to decide now. Like, this is this is a whole other kettle of fish, uh, and it has a lot of other responsibilities. Because as you move along in this life cycle, the, the time to be the creative on the project atrophies. That's yes. what I, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. It, is that. Um, the thing that I've learned now, like two and a half years later, three years later, having learned all this stuff, is that I really love writing things, and the amount of time that I have to do that shrinks the more that I have to, for example, run a Kickstarter or go to the accountant and do stuff like that. So, if you are, you know, if you're interested in, in making sure that you can set the tone for 
potentially having your own line of products and, and standing up and owning your own business and doing that kind of thing, awesome. If not, there are great people in the, you know to approach to ask them, and Fred can talk more about how to do that. Well, uh, and also on that note, the game industry is full of people who are at this point in their life now where they're like, damn, I wish I could go back to write, writing games. I don't actually enjoy the business side of things. Um, I am lucky in that very early on into that life cycle of evil hat that I talked about. I discovered that I get almost equivalent pleasure out of doing the businessy running assembly. Didn't create it. Uh, uh, things of, uh, of uh, publishing as as I did from um, the creative side, and more and more with my time shrinking for that sort of thing, I found the creative process actually kind of frustrating. Um, so as it atrophied, I was kind of like, okay, cool. Um, I'm going to be about making sure that other people's stuff looks awesome. Right. Um, I'm, that was a I'm good place for me. kind of in the middle uh, as <laughs> as it as it consistently seems to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of creative work myself. Um, and I do a lot of the publishing work myself. Um, my first foray into publishing other people's stuff is coming up. Um, but my as as coming from board games, the pretty consistent uh, viewpoint is not self-publishing. It yeah. is well, you you go out to a publisher because so it's large, yeah because right? it's really crazy expensive to make board card games. games too. Yeah, card yeah. games too. Um, that has to do with minimum print runs, and I can get into that at some point. And lots of, of funny pieces, and yeah. paying people to put them together, and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff, and and things being heavy. Learning how to deal with Chinese New Year, right? <laughs> it's getting um, it's getting a little easier because there's a couple of companies that are trying to help, but yeah, uh, it's still really yeah, hard. it's 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 hard, and it's really like the bigger thing is that it's really expensive. Um, mm-hmm. It's really expensive and technically requires different kinds yeah. of treatments. Whereas on the RPG side, the barrier to entry is really low. Which it's is super why low. Publishing is, has such a strong presence in it, right? right. Now. I mean, just like just like book publishing, yeah. like RPGs are books yeah. Yeah. for the by, most by part. Large. Yeah, um, but like, so I came from board game publishing. I'm like, uh, I don't really want to hand my baby over right. to do that. So and how did your, you're talking about your starting into, because this, this is a good thing for us to be focusing on here. Um, uh, you're talking about starting into publishing other people's stuff. How did that, like, give us the story of that. Okay, so so um, the the product that's coming uh, is called Backstory Cards. Um, and this is uh, an RPG accessory that's written by a guy named Brian Macklin, who has worked with... Uh, certainly, us two. I don't know about you. Uh, uh, we're on the same project. Okay, yeah. not together. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so he's a notable figure in RPGs and such. Um, and he showed it to me, and I'm like, "This is super cool." And one day he called me up and said, "I'd like to pick your brain about making card things." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "I am happy to talk to you about that." And we talked for a while, and. Um, but went back and forth, and he's like, "Okay, okay, here's this is this is interesting." I'm like, "I wonder, would you be interested in letting me publish that?" And he's like, "That's an interesting question that I hadn't considered, and I don't know." And I'm just like, "Okay," so he he basically like slept on it for five minutes <laughs> and called Chris Hanrahan. <laughs> And emailed me back, and he's like, oh, my God, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> and so we drew up a contract which outlined rights, responsibilities, and payment terms and everything. Um, 
which was a big process because um, Ryan is crazy detail-oriented, and yep. I am not crazy detail-oriented. He probably gave you a lot of feedback on that contract. Holy cow. Yeah. That, that contract looked like three weeks of back and forth, yep. to, which you know makes sense. That's what, that's what happens when you get in bed with an editor. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's true. Um, but like the way we've structured our agreement is not him handing his baby off to me and saying, okay, I'm done. Yeah. It's, it, we, we are not working together like that. That is not how... I want to work as Brooklyn Indie Games. I like. I am. I am interested in providing support and services to independent publishers, yeah. and I want to create partnerships. Yeah. And so we have a clear partnership mm-hmm. uh, lineup. Evil Hat is, is oriented on that sort of thing too, and I yeah. think that's partly because we started out with a, a sort of an indie ethos and a very collaboration oriented thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Evil Hat never, even though the first thing that we put out there by a few months. Um, uh, was like kind of my solo side project. Um, uh, the company has always existed as a collaboration. And, um, uh, and Phoenix that, does the same thing, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our first project is actually not designed by either me or Josh. It's by Abigail Korfman, who's a good friend of ours. Uh, Josh and I are still in development of our two games, and Abigail, <laughs> Abigail's a machine. Um, so she literally, working full-time for NBC as a coder, then also wrote a fake course setting blasted ahead of us. Jesus and just, H. Yeah, she and, and just delivered it to us and was like, I'm done now. And we just sat down and and and, the, and she's writing a novel to go with it, which of is course. almost done. Right. So um and she so we decided to go forward and like she knew nothing about the RPG industry, but she's like, I made a thing. Um so we wanted to make a again a partnership also. Like it's not just uh like she's a good friend of ours, so the the relationship is closer, but um we wanted to make it accessible so that she could not only come into the community, learn how to get this product out there, but also learn about the community and like if she wanted to work, you know, in other places and as well, so that uh, to extend our experience and uh, and get her product yeah. out there. It's important even if you are working with a friend to establish contracts. Contracts mm-hmm. are important. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they're uh, if they are your friend, then you want them to be protected. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that, that that think of it that way. If you're, not if not, you're not just from it. you, but from accidents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone likes to say the phrase "hit hit by a bus." I will say it now, and then we will speak of it no more. Oh, we um, we 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 at my day job, we came up with a new term: eaten by a kangaroo. Uh, no, no. Uh, had to immediately was was immediately gone away to a yoga retreat. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. So, but like airlifted out, like gone. So if you're suddenly in a downward dog kind of situation, um, <laughs> they can't. Uh, that's, that's why yeah. you contract. Um, uh, says less so building. just to talk about stuff outside of like this. There, I think the second part of his question oddly. that we missed. Oh, sorry. Though. The second sorry. part of his question was, how do you talk to somebody to get the Yeah, and that's, that's, okay, that's, there what, we that's what I'm building okay, towards. Right, um, yeah. uh, but outside of the sort, sort of uh, freakily similar continuum we've got going here, um, uh, uh, there are sort of two big classes of experiences you can get um, having a thing that you want, well, aside from rejection. Right. <laughs> like, let's, let's just take that as written, right? Uh, uh, trying to get a publisher to pick up your thing. Uh, one is they pick it up and are a complete black box to you and then at some point later um, the thing that you made comes out maybe in the form that you, it went in um, maybe looking kind of like what that and the other one is a sort of a, a, a more collaborative uh, input oriented thing and certainly there are points along the continuum there mm-hmm. um, but uh, do your research with other as far as other people who have gotten their stuff made through uh, through a publisher and to see if you can get them to give you some details what relationship with that publisher is like um, uh, before you get in there because uh, there, there are some potholes in the road um, and maybe you won't hit them 
um, uh, uh, with with some of the bumpier road options, but uh, uh, knowing that they are there will at least let you go forward like well informed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, part of the problem, um, it's, and now we shall go back to the rejection thing. Part of the problem that you'll run into. Uh, uh, very often with the scenario, and I think part of why self-publishing has gotten particularly popular, along with the technology, you know, growing up to support it. Um, people will tell you no. Uh, it, well, people will tell you no, and the the reason is often because most publishers already know what they want to be putting out, and in fact, they know what, what they want to be putting out for the next two to three years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and unless they can make a hole or grow to make the space for your project. Uh, uh, it's just not a place for it Um, and uh, uh, at that point um, uh, the the skills that you uh, need to build beyond the the creative product uh, uh, making skills um, uh, are more oriented towards networking making the most of coming to events like this um, uh, and and learning the various uh, uh, ins and outs of shopping an idea around Um, Shopping an idea around is, by and large, what the um, game designer, board game or card game designer who doesn't want to produce it themselves, uh, uh, experience is. You know, that that's just ninety percent of. Board I, I, game I think right it's now. even higher than that. And having uh, a glorious, this, it feels like it's, that's starting to get shifted. It, it, I think but, it is starting to get shifted, especially but, with things like drive through cards. But yeah, with yeah. drive through, like, it's still really high. Like there, there are a small number of people who are really turning sort of like independent on that but um, I think that by and large sort of my my visibility into it is that a lot of these uh, smaller things um, end up uh, in some cases making mistakes or facing sort of like an audience rejection like Kickstarter's not funding yeah Um, and in some cases it's it's one and done Right, like or or Kickstarter funding, you get stuff out to your backers. You got this pallet somewhere of four thousand <laughs> units because the minimum printing was four, was five thousand. Yeah, it's true with some printers. Um, uh, you got it out to your thousand backers, but you didn't have you a lot the left. you didn't have the infrastructure already developed to get the, that product into distribution and get it out into the world, or maybe also didn't have um, I guess like access to people who could kind of evaluate. Okay. Is, we know that the, we know that this is a good game. We've all enjoyed playing it. But is it is it a good product? Is it packaged and positioned in such a way that will make it work well in a retail context? So right. th- those sorts of things start to come up when you're, I guess, more towards my end of things. Well, I that that got that kicked me. Yeah, I mean that's it's. Uh, but those are part of the the, the yeah. mistakes of experience. That's a mistake. <laughs> don't don't order five thousand units your first go out. Yeah, I mean now there's and now that's very hard to not do. In it's so board, hard to not in the board, do. Board oh, yeah, yeah, and board and card games have that issue because minimums are, are what they are. Well, in, minimums in books, are what they are, they and, 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 the and the prices go down go real yeah. fast yeah, as like you get those exponential numbers up. Yeah, books were lucky because, I mean, there are services now like Drive for the RPG and there mm-hmm. are services so that you're not necessarily going to be sitting on a giant print run. You can you can scale it down mm-hmm. so that you can do what you need um, yeah. and keep your numbers as low as, as, as you can. RPGs used to be something you could lose your shirt on because yeah. book production technology was in the same space that board, uh, board and card game production uh, yeah. technology is in right now. 
Now, there was a friend of mine who, when, when I said we're going to start doing this, he told me this horrific story about how, you know, they did a, what was it, a 500 book print run or almost a thousand, I think it was a thousand actually, book print run for their first Gen Con for their first book. And they dropped like a... Tr- with no kind of pre-set up no or pre-set nobody, up, who nobody knew who they were. And they just dropped this money on this thing and then showed up at Gen Con with all these books and uh, had no... Um, Which was probably expensive to ship there. Oh, yeah. oh they, dro- like, they drove and it then, in their truck. And then the... And then they had, well, right. And then the rental of the booth... Mm-hmm. incredibly expensive. Yep, yeah. and they did all that stuff, and they made, like, they lost a preposterous amount of money, and at the end of the year, um, if you, by the way, if you hold on to any product at the end of the year, your taxes are going to start yelling at you. Yeah. Um, so they ended up mulching an entire run of books yep. just to get away from the taxes. So they wasted this entire amount of money, and it destroyed their company. They had yep. their company for less than six months because all the money disappeared. Yeah, that thing about inventory is actually a really good point and yeah. can really goose you and is why at the low end it's very smart to stick with print-on-demand and very small it. print runs until you are sure that the demand is out there. Right. To, to actually go into it like an offset printing or something like that. You because, can always order more. I mean, this, yeah. you just, you know... Yeah, and, and, and you just kind of play the play the risk game and, and, and make sure that you're not holding over too much stuff because um, unsold inventory is as if it were just cash sitting around there because its intent is to be converted into a sale. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, the government started doing this. I forget when it was. It might have been back in the 70s or sometime into the 80s. Uh, but it is part of the reason that uh, these days we do not see as much, um, uh, or even like well prior to these days, uh, we do not see as much diversity in um, genre fiction. Uh, because it used to be that uh, the fiction publishing companies could uh, say, oh yeah, we've got like some weird new I- yeah. book from Rogers Lesney or a less known author or whatever. We'll print up like 50 or 100,000 copies, warehouse them. Because we've got we own warehouses, it's not really costing us that much in, in, in terms of uh, uh, you know storage or anything, um, and we'll just play that out for however long it takes to sell it, because so they, that wasn't getting taxed. But then suddenly that that change in in federal law came along, that tax law came along, and they had to start pulping it because it was cratering them, um, and they could no longer take risks with large print runs that would you know keep the prices down. And they so they just start tightening in on okay we need to publish sure things sure things sure things and we're now you know a couple decades in on uh, fiction publishers being locked in to going legal for sure mystery things, sure things you're saying as much awful. as they can and having to pulp books when they don't sell. Yep. Okay. Thank you, U.S. government. In conclusion, publishing is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does anybody have? Uh, yeah, I mean, kind of the opposite situation. Where I want to be the business guy, awesome. but how do I get that reputation started? How do I get my name out there so that people can know that I'm a guy that they can send stuff to to get published? Mm-hmm. Can I? Please. Yeah. So, uh, so five years ago, uh, I'm not joking. <laughs> this is where the conversation starts. Five years ago, I started going to conventions. That's how I did it. Um, I started beating feet all over conventions. Uh, I traveled the country. Uh, I went to every corner that I could. Gen Con is where I lived, like, every year, made sure. Double exposure conventions, Metatopia eventually, but first I kind of um, broke in with the, they had, like, an indie roundtable here. Yeah, Metatopia grew out of things like the indie roundtable mm-hmm. and the playtest culture that existed at other Dream Engine, uh, uh, Dexcon yeah. events before. Mm-hmm. And just met people and oh, talked cool. to them, and I got to know the other, like, people who are working in the industry. 
uh, and started from there. Uh, you know, at that point, I started meeting you know other people that I knew who wanted to be designers who were coming up and who yeah. needed a place to, to go. And, and uh, I started with my friends, but I also got to meet other people. Um, and I, literally five years of going to panels just like this one and at Gen Con and sitting there and breaking my face traveling the country. Um, it's not entirely necessary to do it that way, but that was my way of doing it because I wanted, before we got out the door, just to have a reputation of somebody who was known um, and who had made those... those uh, the, so that people understood that I knew what I was talking about a little bit even before I was there because I had spent the time to do the research. Right. Um, and then I went and made sure that, like, I dotted the T's and crossed the I's on everything I was doing, um, including uh, calling Tim over to my house, like, to and then, pizza. And then your editors came over and they were like, no, 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 you're doing this all backwards. <laughs> Tim came over right before my Kickstarter and I was crying, like, I don't know if I'm doing this stuff. And Tim ate pizza and, like, fixed my life for, like, you know, when I was <laughs> Fixed my life. Fixed my, I was freaking little, out. Little things. This, yeah. is, this is one of the services I provide, incidentally. Yeah, it was awesome. So, life fixing. Um, reaching out, so, so the two things I guess I'm saying is, um, you know, the conventions are great resources for people to get to know your face and what you want to do, and you talk to people about what your aim is. Um, if you can't do that, uh, social media is a wonderful place to live. Uh, there are communities like Story Games, there are communities like G Plus in general, and Twitter. Um, and when you ask people questions, start talking to them about what you want to do. And um, you know, just in case you can't go on the on the, I I really can't speak enough about conventions though. Like face to face is so important. Face to face is huge. Uh, Origins is great as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, so there's a bunch of other, of other conventions. Metatopia and Origins are probably places I would send you if you yeah. uh, just for networking. Gen, Gen Con, Con people are big. way too fucking busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Um, uh, it's it, it is a place to meet people, but generally it is a place to meet people you've met. Yeah. Um, uh, I, so to I, speak, I sort of came into my reputation by accident. Um, I did a podcast, and I met a lot of people doing a podcast. And uh, that was what sort of got my name out there. I playtested my games all the time. Uh, It helped that I make my own product, so I didn't have to go seek out product. That's what I'm going to touch on. Right, yeah. Um, So, and I I still do that. Like, Like, several years in, I'm only just starting to do other people's stuff. Like, I've paid people to do graphics and layout, um, but really, that's about it. Everything else is... Mine. Yeah. To, to, to an extent, the, you know, the answer starts with the same answer that PK got um, of uh, the, the networking and, and uh, you know, meeting people and so forth. Um, but the way that you transition away from the creative path and more towards the, the publisher path um, is uh, start buying hats and because you'll be wearing many of them. So many um, of them. Uh, I've uh, got like you know, 75. And yeah. That's just for like today. Yeah. So th- th- there's just a lot of different skills. Um now, you don't necessarily need to be the possessor of those skills, but you need to be able to hire the possessor of those skills yes. um, if you don't have them. Um, uh, I'm a, uh, uh, a lot of what has happened with Evil Hat has kind of flowed out of the fact that I'm a self-taught um, layout guy, uh, which meant that um, no matter who wrote the thing, uh, uh, I was in a position to then package it and get it to, to done. Um, uh, so, uh, uh, kind of your role as a publisher, you know, poke the creative part out of the process and look at what's left, and it's these bracketing things. It's uh, spinning up a project, um, uh, doing whatever support is necessary to launch it, setting a budget, you know, knowing where you're headed, um, uh, knowing where you're headed in part because you've looked at the market that that thing is going to. Uh, and then on the far end of the creative process, 
although hopefully you've got somebody doing some project management, maybe it's you, of, of it in order to make sure that the deadlines are hit and milestones are, and everything's looking healthy and play tested and all that. But once you're, once you're out of that, then it's all the finishing steps, which is not just things like layout and art direction and art acquisition and so forth, although those are parts of it, um, all of which I've done. Uh, uh, but also the, okay, now that I've got a laid out thing, all of the the actual production part, the, 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 the getting quotes from various uh, uh, printers, um, figuring out who the right fit is for you, both in terms of like your ethics and philosophy as a company, as well as the economics that you have to operate with, um, so on and so forth. And you just... It, it it you start out by being a control freak and 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 owning as many pieces of the of the puzzles you can because that's also going to keep your costs down because you're probably not going to pay yourself a lot you should eventually but yes. in early on you're probably pay not going to pay yourself a lot much. Um, There's a lot also much. one. Not well, yeah. Or, oh, I speak all. English. Are good. <laughs> um, the other thing I would say is that because you're doing all of those things, also bear in mind that you also have to play advocate for all of your stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's really part of the networking thing, oh, but you really have to like understand that. I'm like, having a hard time with that. Yeah, there, a lot of people don't realize that. Like, okay, you're putting together a game, and then you're putting it out on the on the you know on on Drive Through RPG or on the internet or however else you're doing it. Uh, no one's going to know it's there unless you do advertising for it. Like, unless you speak about it, unless you go play it. Not necessarily traditional it. advertising, right? But, no, you know, no. Some getting the word out on social media or what have you. Right? The, and the question by which you have to create a. Um, what is this? Guess so what? You, I have this are you awesome plugging thing. Something? I can't yeah, you're plugging it. It's oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that, literally doing something like that, walking around at conventions, handing out cards, giving away promotional stuff, what like whatever it is that you decided, you're going to have to do that unless you hire somebody who can do it for you. So again, it's one of those hats that you have to take on, but it's it's an addendum to everything else, and you have to get that out to the to the people who are going to buy your product. You also kind of need to be honest with yourself about your endurance for mm-hmm. the entire life cycle of a product. And, and and that shit is hard mm-hmm. um, uh, because here here's kind of the the ugly truth of publishing. Um, by the time you're putting something out and and hopefully everyone is getting excited about it, you're kind of done because you've lived with that. <laughs> you're yeah. so spent for oh, how many long, how, how many years or how many months or whatever it's taken to to, to get that thing ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can kind of be an emotionally brutal place to go because. You need to, despite potentially having a lot of your initial excitement ground out simply just by the mechanics of the process, um, uh, to still hold on to like that gleaming gem of excitement that you had at the initial, because now it's time to start sharing that excitement with other people, and so forth. And at times, I've gotten to the point where, like, okay, I'm launching it. I'm going to kind of help people like reflect their excitement back at them, even if I'm not quite there giving myself a little bit of space from the product and then okay I'm going to let their enthusiasm pull me back into mm-hmm. into that and you should not feel guilty about that it's very natural to want a break from the thing that you've been working on for however long it took you to get out can I, can I give an example so is that okay um, so I, I, I'm working for Evil Hat now doing the Dresden Files LARP actually yep. we've been working on it for quite some time and when we finally finished the first draft uh, there was sort of a thump as you heard me fall over yeah. after it and um, uh, for, for I needed to not look at it for, for a bit um, and what ended up happening is we put it into playtesting and uh, we got such a response for playtesting <laughs> so, it was so many, so many I think we asked we wanted 50 and we ended up with 600 applications Jesus. for playtesters wow um, it might have been higher it may have been I don't know yeah, Sean didn't stop telling I, me things after I, I, I think we broke a thousand applicants <laughs> it was ridiculous yeah. oh god don't tell me that yeah. uh, but like uh, no but, pressure <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly that. Um, so what got <laughs> so to much me, of that. So much of that. But like, what got to me was the excitement of like the other of, of the people, like hearing that number, realizing that people were that excited about it, got me back into it and got me okay. Now everything's good. Yeah. And then we did the edits again, and then the same thing happened. I sort of thumped, yeah. and now I'm like, okay, now we're back in the cycle. So like. The excitement of other people when you go to a playtest and somebody looks at your game and is like, oh my god, I love that. Or even if you tell them about the game and you see that in their eyes, mm-hmm. that can sort of validate all of the uh, horrible nights of As a company runner, you, you don't often get a break. You don't yeah. often get that break that you need. But your creatives are going to need it even more because yeah. they're often having to refill their tanks. So not only are you needing to somehow sustain your own excitement and engagement throughout, throughout this, you're also needing to mind other people and making sure they actually have that break. So yeah. to an extent... Launching the playtest was an opportunity for you guys to catch a breath. Yes. But for Evil Hat, we're like, that's okay, it, yeah. we got the ball. We're going to keep running with it. And you know, that's just try to think about that sort of tempo because it's really easy for both you and uh, for the people who are working for you to just burn out on anything that has a has a kind of a long time point. And now my, about, the hard my, part about that is two, I'm so three, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to say my solution for that is like oh. I'm done with this right now. I'm going to go work on something else. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that has its advantages because I get to set the timeline. I'm not answering to anybody. Mm-hmm. I am trying to make money with this uh, endeavor, but it is not my primary source of income. So right. it's like, okay, if I don't work on you know, this next game for six months... Right. The only person I've promised that is to yeah. that is that to is me. The primary and vulnerability there is overcommitting, though, yeah. Um, yeah. and, and, and you need that. to make sure you've got a support structure in place to help you if that starts to happen. Yeah. And if you're and if you're also, by the way, the, the head of a company and a creative at the same time, that's what I do. Um, you have to manage your energy really carefully. So if you're designing games at the same time as trying to do everything else, understand that uh, the spoons that you, if you don't, if you understand what I mean by spoon theory, the spoons that you require for, for managing a business are a lot. You need a drawer from the, for those. And then, uh, and then when you end up uh, like saying at the end of the day, okay, I now need to commit a certain amount of hours or, or time over the week to make sure that this game is done. You have to understand that like somewhere along the line, you have to sleep and eat and do all the other things. And if you have a full-time job or part-time job outside or school, um, managing your energy becomes a thing. Um, and uh, you just have to realize that you have to also give yourself those breaks that Fred is yeah. talking about. Um, and if you're the person who's in, who's on both sides of the line of the business and, and the productive, it might slow down your production schedule. You might like It I've, might take you a really long time to produce something. Maybe budget for some psychotherapy. I've, <laughs> I've been exhausted for the last three weeks. For Exhausted for the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're going to feel tired, um, but uh, you know, That's at some point in the process, you're going to get to open up that box from the printer that contains the proof or the final product, and you're going to realize you made a thing and. That's what's going to keep you coming. That's what it is, huh? It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think that's practically that's time. That's pretty much it. Yep. Uh, did anyone have like one final comment or question that they no, we could do a lightning round? Sort of um, ripping off an earlier comment, uh, I asked Ken Hype, you know, what's the, the best way to motivate yourself to finish your first game? And his that was a really good question. His response was, uh, make your mortgage depend on it. And I was just like, that's not said, I have heard from Jim Butcher that he doesn't have a muse, he has a mortgage. So, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, that's what, did, that's what it did to me. I'm now full-time freelancing, yep. uh, and I'm busting ass yeah. every day. So that's I guess fear is the answer to that, but that's not, <laughs> that's not the only answer. Terror and horror and destitution. <laughs> so thank you guys for coming. Yeah, thank you thank for coming. Thank you very much. Um,
I am generally available to answer questions. Yeah, yeah. So like, I really like answering questions. I really you can find like. Me at you can find yeah, my name is Shoshana Kessock. If you can spell it, you can find me on the internet. Uh, it's one N, one N, one N. Yeah. Also, I have cards for people if you're interested. Talking to me later. Cool. That's my new tagline. It works so well. I'm happy with it. It's good. Well, I've, had, I've had to correct myself on how many ends. Everybody is correcting how to spell my name. Uh, people use the C and an S. I don't know. Well, they do all these things. Okay, wow. What's your working plan? What's the whole plan?